Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my special guest, John Croak. John has come in, taken time out of his super busy schedule to be a part of our top producer series. John is a loan officer with Seacoast Bank. He is on pace to close upwards of $80 million in volume. To put that in perspective for those that are not in the mortgage industry, that's about eight times the national average. That's eight. So take the national average, times it by eight, and that is the type of production that John is putting out. John, welcome to the Loan Officer Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your uber busy schedule to be with us. Dustin, thanks for having me. I'm glad that I was able to reach out to you the other day. It's always good to come in and see you and catch up and chat. And I've I've been following your podcast for a few weeks now, or uh, I guess you've had it for probably a year at least, Yeah, right? we're going about six months now. Yeah, yep. so, I mean, you reached out to me on day one, and I uh, was a follower then. I, I like what you're doing. I think it's great. The content so far has been great, and I look forward to being kind of a part of that. So hopefully all the viewers out there can get some good information. Yeah, from and, and that is that is the goal. So, I mean, thank you so much for, for, for A, agreeing to come in, and then B, as we were talking about off camera, kind of opening up a little bit. You are a professional loan originator. You've been in the business since 2004. Correct. Yeah. Uh, currently work at Seacoast Bank. Yeah. Um, that's not where you got your start. You, you started with a larger bank, then you went and you brokered, then you went back to a bank, but as a little bit of a hybrid role, right? Like yeah. you were a true bank branch manager where you were in charge of like tellers and yeah. uh, auto loans yeah. and, and checking accounts. But, but on top of that, you still did mortgages, correct? Correct. But yeah. you were telling me you did mortgages at a slightly elevated level. And if I correct me if I'm wrong here, you were personally producing more mortgage transactions than 37 other branches combined. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, you know, the, the, the writing on the wall for me has always been mortgages. It's just kind of where I fit in. But, you know, just different things in the economy have, have made me move and flow. And I'm trying well, to figure and get in where I fit in. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. That is uh, too short, by the way. Get in where you fit in full. <laughs> uh, it's a little Oakland, California, 1980s rap for anyone who's following along at home. Um, but no, get in where you fit in. Also, get in where you fit in is where were we economically? Like what, what was happening in 2008 that was forcing certain career moves? We also have things that happen in our, in our personal lives that, that dictate that we follow a certain path. But what's amazing is that you've always excelled at every opportunity that you have, you have uh, been afforded. And right now you're excelling at a level that is just literally, it's not even 1%, it's like 0.1%. When we close out the year and look at where you're going to rank amongst all loan originators throughout the country, it is mad impressive, like crazy impressive. So kudos to you. And because of that, I want to dive deep into who John Croak is. Okay. <laughs> look, you you can uh, ice over this interview and you can talk about how you don't miss a phone call and how you relentlessly return, return calls, which by the way, are all good habits of top producers. You're really good at your customer service and you're really good at your technical side of things. You're a great loan officer, right? Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. What, uh, yeah. Yeah. There are things that I'm better at, you know, that I actually could be a better loan officer, but it's more, I think I'm a better judge of people. And I think that we'll get into that later about what maybe compels me. 
Yeah, well, and, and I guess what I was trying to get at uh, in a very roundabout way is there's a lot of people who are good at doing mortgages, but there are very few people who are able to achieve what you've achieved. Right. So just being good at mortgages and doing a, a show on being good at mortgages is not what I'm wanting, wanting to do today. Like the when, when I envisioned the top producer series, it was more of getting into someone's psyche and their mentality and what drives them. Mm -hmm. Because that's something that obviously can help loan originators, but it can also help uh, people of all walks in life. I mean, it, it could help someone become a better parent if they're a stay-at-home parent. It could help someone be a better attorney, a better CPA, a, a better contractor, yeah. right? It's So, you know, we want to uh, definitely explore your successes. We want to um, uh, uh, give the accolades and the con con congratulatory high fives because they are definitely needed and warranted. And also, I use that as a way to position you as a bit of a subject matter expert of, hey, if you want to be successful, listen to this guy because he has figured it out not just once but multiple times throughout his career. Um, right now, it happens to be at Seacoast, but you did it when you were with other employers as well. So obviously it's not employer indicative, right. it's John Croak indicative. Yeah. Um, so before we dive deep into that, is there anything for our loan officers who tune in <laughs> that you would give them words of encouragement if they're saying, how can I go from 10 million to 20 million, 20 to 40, 40 to 80? What, what would you tell them maybe from a more technical standpoint before we start diving deep into the mentality standpoint? I mean, the technical standpoint, would be the basic the basic sales models I think that everyone has been coached when you become a loan officer as far as you know making your contacts continuing to follow up on your contacts seeing your contacts whether it be realtors builders past clients family friends your entire sphere learning how to really monetize social media um, it's such a powerful um, vision board if you will or, or mechanism that we have in place today you know is to, to really have song, uh, strong social media presence that uh, can hit so many people, um, and that will help scale your your network. And then you know, putting uh, important information out there is also very uh, good for people to kind of hit you up on that. Um, technically, I mean, and, and it's just it's being disciplined, right? With anything that you want, if you want to achieve success, there are there are plans. There are people that have done it before that have have plans. It's, it's about being disciplined to those plans. You and I share a passion for, for fitness, right? We, we, we do this thing called intermittent fasting, right? It's, and it's being disciplined. The results speak for themselves. And, and many people complain about why they're not in shape or why they look a certain way because they don't, they don't have the discipline. Or maybe people uh, complain that they're in credit card debt. Why do you have credit card debt? You're not, it's not, it's not a credit card debt problem. It's the fact that you're not disciplined in your spending so, habits. So, so let's jump right into it, right? So from a technical standpoint, discipline to me is more of a psyche, right? <laughs> the, the, you're, you're, you got one great point of technical advice, which is out network, right? Yeah. If you want to be successful at anything out network, utilize social media and reach out to your circle of influence, call on your clients, network, become likable, get people to trust you. Therefore the, they will refer you, uh, or look to you when they need your service, whatever your service may be. Right. Once you have done that, Let's talk about discipline. <laughs> Have you always been disciplined? You know, no. To answer your question, no. So I'm a competitive basketball player. I don't know if you knew that about me. Is I, I played competitive basketball throughout high school and was going to try to walk on some colleges. And, okay. You know, I'm five foot seven. And, you know, so I always had – I played point guard. But, um, you know, 
in high school, I was kind of doing everything that high schoolers do and, and whatever. And, and my grades were slacking. I didn't even, and didn't even make the team or not. I, I made the team, but I got taken off the team. Okay. Okay. Because of some, I had to get my grades back up, which okay. is not like me. And then I, I had a strong, and I felt so out of control in a sense. It was like, this is not like other, other factors of my life were driving my life. Okay. And, and I really felt the need to, to self govern myself, to define what my work ethic is, what I value and something I want, I can set a goal and I can achieve that goal. And what's it going to take to achieve that goal? And I always set the bar really, really high, right? So it, like you said, $80 million, that's a profound number. Am I going to hit that number? There's a strong chance I'm going to get very close to that number. But if I don't hit that number and I get 70 million, that's a pretty yeah. damn good year, you're, right? You're still in that 0.5%. Yes. Right. So, you know, so the, the point is, is like, I always set my goals high because if you don't reach your goal, you had a pretty good year. You know what I mean? Um, so with, with, but it took you hitting, I wouldn't call it rock bottom, but you, you hit a bottom before you had a bit of a, of a wake up call and epiphany, right? You, yeah. you, you lost the ability to do something that you loved doing, uh, because you weren't disciplined enough in the classroom. Correct. And, and I feel like, I think it's, it's seasons in life where you hit bottoms and, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I have, I'm a Christian and I believe in certain things like that where, you know, things happen for a reason and, and it's, it's. You don't necessarily, they don't tap you on the shoulder and say, this is why I'm doing this. And, and you just got to stay faithful and stay hardworking and, and make the right choices. And, and typically that there's no easy shortcuts. You, know, you have to put in the hard work. You have to put in the discipline. And you have to outwork everybody else. If you want it bad enough, that's what it boils down to is how bad do you want it? And if you don't want it bad enough, then someone's going to outwork you. And, and you learned that at 17. I mean, being a competitive basketball player. Yeah. I mean, the, the basketball is one of the most competitive sports out there because athletically, I'm not the most athletic guy. I, I can't slam dunk. You know what I mean? Uh, so athletically, I could I could be beaten. But my competitive spirit and my hard work, I was going to outwork you. Yeah, no one was going to outgo No one John, was going to outwork John me. Croak. They, they, you click that button. Or uh, J.C. John Coleman, he gives me shit. He's like, Dio, sometimes we just have to wind you up. Just go ahead and wind him up yeah. and let him go. Yeah. Um, I was actually sharing a story very similar uh, with someone today, actually, about um, you know things that, that drive me. And I'm like, you know, I, I am always going to be out-talented. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to be outworked. Yeah. You know, and, that's, and to hear you say it, I'm like, oh, it's like a mirror. It's a, reflect, a reflection of you learned that you weren't going to be outworked. So you applied that then four years of college, first job out of college. Yeah, I mean, I went and became an overachiever my entire life. So I got two full academic scholarships to go to college. They paid me to go to college. I was on the president's list, had a 4.0 GPA with a finance degree. So I did the things necessary and disciplined myself necessary with time management to get to get where I needed to be. And I had a goal and, and, and you and you define that goal and how to process that goal. And, and my goal right now in professional mortgage origination is to, to, to be the number one producer. Okay. Wherever company I am, I want to be the number one producer, whether that's a male ego thing or, or what, but I just, I want to, to, like I said, I want to see if, if I can be number one. And if, if someone else is going to outwork me, then I, I'm game on. Let's, let's have the challenge. And I do it in, in the spirit of fun. 
in a sense, but still I'm driven. Yeah, I'm well, driven so, that way. So walk me through that. So so you graduated high school. Uh, you did or did not get to play college basketball? I did not play college okay. basketball, no. Um, does that still kind of chip on the shoulder a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, it all happened so fast and I didn't really, I feel like my friends were going out to colleges and partying was introduced and it's like, you know, then that stuff's like, you know, well, what am I really going to do? Am I going to be in the NBA? You know, yeah. so it's like, and, 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 and the reason why I ask that, because I actually, when I'm interviewing and hiring sales professionals, I sometimes look for a chip yeah. and I'll ask them, Hey, do you have a chip on your shoulder? Yeah. Right. We have a guy in this office right here that works for Waterstone Mortgage, absolutely killing it. I mean, killing it. He's like 18 months in the business. He's out producing two thirds of his peers that have been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years. That's awesome. And when we interviewed him, he was a triple A all-star twice. Triple A all-star twice, baseball player. Mm -hmm. You know what he never did? Never made it to the big leagues. Never made it to the big leagues. You know what his friends did? Made it to the big leagues. Yeah, you know what type of coin? The the minimum, oh, the yeah. minimum. Just, just, I mean, just to make it up there, you're making like half a million dollars a year. Yeah. So when we interviewed Casey, I asked him about his chip. And I'm like, I, I can see it. The chip is, you have friends who achieved what you unfortunately weren't able to. And he wasn't able to because he wasn't good, he had an injury. Yeah. Right? Life event, couldn't control. Right. I said, but you can use that as your motivator that you're gonna out earn every one of those friends who made it to the big show. Maybe they made it to the big show and they lasted three years, four years. They made a million bucks a year for four years. They made $4 million. Yeah. I mean, you could come as a mortgage loan originator and make a couple hundred grand a year, 400 grand a year. You do 400 grand a year for five, six years, you've now out-earned your buddies. Yeah. Right? So so you, you know, when, when you mentioned not playing college basketball, I was just curious if there's a chip because I'm actually curious, do you have a chip that maybe drives you? Like yeah. what what is it? Because wanting to be number one, that's a huge, um, it's a huge pill to swallow for, for many folks. Um, is there a way that, that you either make it fun or, is, or, or like if you, you listen or watch the um, miniseries on Michael Jordan on sure. ESPN, Jordan constantly almost made up, like bullshitted his way into like uh, a competitive yeah. confrontation fuel yeah d just to fuel his fire yeah. do, do you find any of that works for you oh like, yeah what, what what are some what, what are some of the uh, tactics that you're using I, I i love that series i mean that series is like if, if anyone is a competitive former competitive athlete i grew up in the 90s watching jordan he was my favorite player just to and i you know and i read his books and the competitiveness is something that i try to emulate and it's like a sickness almost it's like because even they say like he was it was too much and, and it, sometimes it comes on us too much, but it's, it's like, I want to win so bad. Cause it's almost like maybe Do you want to win so bad or do you want to not lose? Yeah. Talk yeah. about that for us. Yeah. So, okay. So I'll, I'll bring this back to, to talk about the chip. Okay. Okay. Um, kind of gets into my life. Um, so I went to a private school when I was younger in, in uh, Stewart, Florida. Okay. Um, you know, comparable, like a, like a Lake Highland or whatever. Uh, I didn't go there because my parents were rich. I went there because my mom taught. Okay. Okay. And there was a discount. So, you know, everybody knew that. But I was a basketball player and everything. But And yeah. by the way, for those that are listening outside of the Central Florida area, Lake Highland is a private school within the greater Orlando area. Actually, it's in Orlando proper, I believe. 
and it's where professional athletes send their children, right? Yeah. It's a it's, it's a who's who. It, it is a who's who. So so John's kind of painting the picture that he grew up in Stewart, Florida, which is just north of Jupiter, which is just north of West Palm Beach, which is just north of Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Halfway between Fort Lauderdale and Orlando is Stewart, Florida, and he went to one of these who's who school, not because your parents could afford it, but because you get a discount. Your mom was a teacher there. That's correct. Awesome. Yeah. So that that. Now, why I got a great value in the education and, and, and networking, actually, right, still to this day, um, it, it created a chip. It, it created a wealth and inferiority complex, okay. a, a social class warfare, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. My mom was a teacher. My dad worked for UPS, very blue-collar family. We had everything we needed, you know yeah. I mean? Nothing I regret. But m- my classmates were very wealthy, and you know going to their houses for parties and stuff like that and, and my mom would would uh, would compare you know what i mean it's it's almost it's something i struggle with with when in life but it, it was like you know they have this and, and and you know we don't so it created this chip on my shoulder to to achieve success and and you deem success financially in that in that regards, yeah. yeah, and that's what I'm struggling with now in my life is like once you get to that plateau of when you have financial success and you realize, well, it's not the end all there, be all. There's not the end all be all. There's yeah. so much more to life. Um, but that's what drives me in a work in a sales environment where where so often the monetary reward it, it, production equals dollars equals success, and hence why we're here today to some respect is to interview my mortgage production. Yeah. So you found your chip. I've, now, some of us 100%. don't have to find it. Some of us, and this guy can raise his hand, uh, which, by the way, if you're listening, I just raised my hand. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can see me. Hey. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I I was able to not need to find it. I always had it. And my chip is very similar to your chip. Yeah. Like, very similar. Friends sending me pictures of them wearing my clothes, hanging out with your basketball fan from the 90s, so John Stark and Patrick Ewing sure. at Atlantis in Bahamas. My freaking structure shirt was there, but I wasn't there. My parents, that wasn't how we rolled, but that was how they rolled. Yeah, My chip was set. Um, some people, I think the takeaway would be, if you don't have a chip that is as apparent as it is in John and I, <laughs> find one, right? Find one. Um, even if you have to make it up because that chip may be what helps you get through a shitty day. Like when you're, when you, sometimes the tasks that we have to do to become successful aren't fun. Yeah. Right. Not eating sweets is not fun, but you love the result. Right. Going on a five mile run might not be fun in hundred percent humidity, but you love the result. Right. Making a hundred cold calls is not fun. You love the result, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So some days we need to find a chip. If yeah. you're not as fortunate or unfortunate as John and I to have one just inherently placed on your shoulder, then find one and then use it to get through those days so that you can achieve the the, the ultimate success. Um, thanks for sharing that, by the way. Yeah, a little, um, little get into the little personal here with you on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. And that's that's honestly what I'm trying to do with the Top Producer Series is talk less about task, less about what it takes to be a good technician, more about the 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 insides, yeah. right? The, once we can figure out the insides, the outsides kind of take care of themselves. Um, being driven, you and I were talking about this off camera, and I, I wanted to bring it back to camera. Um, being driven to be successful, or are you driven not to fail? Yeah, 
I mean, I it's funny. I, I bringing it talking about Jordan. I read a, a in his book Rare Air long time ago, and he said it's it's my fear of failure that fuels me. And it and so I lived through two thousand eight as a mortgage broker. And fun times, <laughs> scary for for those that were maybe born in years like nineteen ninety seven, years like two thousand that. 2005 even, who don't know um, what 2008 was like. It was um, the worst economic downturn since the Great Depression. So when we joke about I lived through 2008, uh, not really joking. It wasn't a fun time. Yeah. And I I was, you know, commission only, mortgage broker, all of the secondary lenders that we were selling to or brokering to, they all closed up or went out of business in, in a matter of like, 14 business days, right? So, you know, here I am college educated. I have a finance degree. Um, you know, I have experience selling and, and, and working in banks and everything and, and nobody's hiring and I'm living off X amount of savings. I'm calculating how many months is my burn rate here, yeah. you know? And uh, I tell you that uh, that is a big chip because what fuels me now is, is, is it's almost like it's an accumulation of like, I, I need to earn as much now and accumulate so if another crisis comes, I'm prepared. I'm prepared for Armageddon. Yeah. So it's like, when is the other shoe going to drop? Maybe it never does. But I'll tell you who's going to be prepared is that's how I live my life conservatively. But I, it also is another secondary driving, like driving factor. That's like, you know, this is like, I got to, I got to keep chasing the nightmare of 2008. Like it's going to come. It haunts me. Like, no, make, make 10 more calls. You just never know when it's going to stop. Yeah. No, I love that. It's, it's very much carpe diem for your career. It is seize the day, seize the moment. Um, yeah. YOLO almost. Right. Yeah. I mean, make hay while the sun shines. Right. Yeah. So, um, so you're using that to motivate you like on top of everything else, right. On top of, you know, growing up, um, competitive, growing up, as you said, a five foot seven point guard playing competitive, um, basketball, you know, height alone, and, and lack of athletic ability, I don't know this. You told me your lack of athletic I would guess you're probably more athletic than most people, including myself. <laughs> but throughout your life, you have found instances where you weren't necessarily the most gifted, but you use that to further work hard or to fuel your fire or to drive through so that you could find the ultimate success that, that you're looking for. You know, there's a, there's a meme out there and I think sums it up perfectly, and I could I would assign it to myself, as I think it, it says, um, "Hard work beats talent every day." Or when when hard work beats talent, when talent doesn't want to work hard. Yes, I think that's exactly what it says. Yeah, um, yeah. There's definitely some things where talent would just win, right? If, yeah. If we're running a race, I can't outwork you. Yeah. Now, if we want to do a distance race, possibly I could. Right. Right, because I can train longer, harder, more efficiently, more consistently. But if it's just a sprint, 100-yard sprint, more times than not, the the more talented person is definitely going to beat me or you or most people in something like that. But, um, no, that's a fantastic quote that I believe is now on a meme floating around. You could Google it right now if you needed to. Um, How about this? Um, You're a dad. Yep. Uh, What are one or two things that you're teaching your son, either A, because it wasn't taught to you. Your parents did a great job of teaching you so many life lessons, but there are a couple of things that you, in hindsight, as an adult, wish they would have um, taught you. Or B, you're teaching your son because it was taught to you at an early age and you're so grateful that it was. 
what, what are those life lessons that you're passing along that um, you know, maybe you'd benefit one of our viewers to hear? Yeah, um, it's, it's, a, it's a, such a common subject, right? Because so many people, there's, there's a big financial literacy challenge in our country, right? And, and I used to do some stuff with Dave Ramsey um, after his radio show. And, and you know, he's, he preaches a lot about financial literacy and it's an epiphany for most people. So, I mean, back to my parents, you know, blue collar, hardworking, you know, they paid their bills, had good credit. We had stuff, you know, but I, I was never taught investments, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they, they, it's like rich dad, poor dad, right? So they did the basic investments with their employers and, you know, I don't know if they did anything on the side, but, you know, they did what they thought was right and what they had resources to do. Um, they never necessarily educated themselves on other avenues investing. So things that I'm doing with my son, who happens to be a very intelligent human being, he's 145 IQ and in the IB program at Glenridge. And nice. He's a, That's a fantastic. A, Proud dad moment right a, there. A wizard. Yeah. I mean, the kid, he picks it up. I mean, he can, he's a very intelligent kid. So um, so I, when I drive around town and we were stopped at a red light, I said, I say, you know, there's a commercial building right there. I said, that building has tenants. Those tenants are paying rent to an individual company that owns that building. That company pays a commercial mortgage. And that commercial mortgage pays interest to a bank. I and mean, I'm just kind of teaching him about how the world works as, as regard to income-producing real estate. And, and think, that's something that wasn't being taught to you, um, not because your parents weren't trying to be better parents. They just didn't know it themselves. They weren't. They're, they're, they're not in that industry. Yeah. I mean, they were working what they were working, having benefit, trying to raise three children. Um, one of those know, being you, which yeah. is really trying to raise five children, but <laughs> I was a good one, believe it or not. <laughs> um, so, you know, being in the real estate finance industry, you, you deal with all sorts of things from first time home buyers who are nervous and excited and they're, you know, such an emotional transaction for them to, to the savvy investor who's got five or six homes and duplexes and, and we're trying to cash flow and, and look on, you know, rate of returns and things like that. So you, you we're, we're all over the place with our knowledge and, and, and gearing towards intellect to different types of our clients. So, you know, when I, and I, and I see the value in income producing real estate as an investor yes. myself, right? So I feel like something that would be sustainable for him to have, to own some real estate himself one day is to learn about that and how that works. So he knows that at a young age, so he can understand that conceptually, regardless of what he does, when he does as a career, he wants to be a sports broadcaster and, he wants to go to Syracuse because it's got the number one sports broadcasting school, and he's got it right, all Orange planned Bay out. It is. And get an internship at ESPN. I said, man, oh, that, can, and that's, just, that, that's going it. from Syracuse, New York, just to Connecticut. Yeah, nice. he, that's exactly because he, he yeah. said it's close, so mm-hmm. I can do the intern. I mean, Bob Costas went to Syracuse, so um, good for him. I mean, he's 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 got it. So hopefully, he's a chip off the old block with the drive factor. Yeah. sets his goals and achieves them. Um, he certainly got the intelligence. I always wanted to be a sports announcer. Instead, I ended up becoming a podcast host. <laughs> but, you know, uh, we always can't uh, achieve the, the highest goals that, that, yeah. that we set out for ourselves. It's a close right? second, I'm sure. It's Dustin. a close second. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, that is awesome. How about this, John? How about career advice to yourself? If you go back to 2004 and you're getting started in the mortgage business, what do you wish someone would have shared with you? Uh, early on in your career to maybe help you achieve certain career goals that took longer to achieve? Yeah. Um, it's, like, it's a great question. I think, you know, the discipline can can come in waves, if you will. And you, and you have to, 
and and it can also be overwhelming. You know what I mean? It it can it can it can completely obsess you to the point to where other areas of your life suffer because of it. And you have to, I guess, find the balance from an overall life perspective and, and do things. But I think the number one piece of advice that I would give myself is is always, always, always take care of the client, regardless if you do alone or not. I think people will genuinely feel that that you care for for their well-being. You're you're caring for their financial future, um, and and that in turn will lead to the referrals that you're looking for to help scale your business. You know, ultimately we're all selling the same stuff here, right? I'm selling a 30-year mortgage. The guy two offices down is selling a 30-year mortgage. Maybe my rate's lower. Maybe their rate's lower. Regardless, it's about people. And it's a people business here that we're doing. And it's about helping people. And if I can use my talents and my abilities and my drive to help people and, and, and really care about their well-being. To, this morning, just this morning, I talked to a guy out of a $500,000 mortgage. Good for you. I said, you know, I, we talked about it. I said, I mean, a $3,000 nut a month is a big nut. You know what I mean? I said, you, I said, I could put you in a 15-year at two and a quarter. You go buy something for $300,000 and you could walk your daughter to high school and know, hey, I'm free and clear. I mean, he's like, yeah, that sounds really good. I said, I, I know it does. You yeah. know, I said, you know, you don't want, I mean, we're in a cyclical type of world here, you know, and, and that's a lot of pressure, you know. Well, I like that. It's, I mean, it's very much, it's cliche to say, but it's so true. Basically, put others first and you'll yeah. never be last. Yeah. Do the right thing always and the commission checks will follow. They will. And I, and I really like, even this year, I've been, you know, I, I you know, I'm a human being. But I'm, I try to be a Christian, and I try to obviously have believe. And I just said, you know, it's about helping people. If I'm here to be some kind of instrument or purpose, it's not about commission checks. It's not about eighty million dollars. It's about it's about helping people and about serving their needs and what their needs are. Well, and and I've heard you use this term multiple times in the in the three to four years that we've known each other, which is you know, I helped this many families this year, right? right. You and I are using $80 million because it's a really cool number and it's big and it's sure. jazzy. But in order to fund $80 million in home loans, you had to have helped 200, 250 families yeah. finance the largest asset they're going to own. And more importantly, the biggest vehicle they have to generate wealth, right? And that's really what you're doing, um, which is phenomenal, right? Yeah. It's it is, uh, it's rewarding financially. It's rewarding for many emotionally. Uh, but, you know, let's not hide from the fact that, that you are helping change lives. Um, 100%. And, and, and really, thank you for that, right? I mean, on, on behalf of all of us in the community that you serve, which I'm a part of that community you serve, thank you for the job that you're doing and for always taking a highly disciplined, extremely driven approach to helping others because that's what you do. I, I mean, I bring it full circle, I went to a client's house for a pool party, for his daughter's pool party. My son was playing with his daughter and, uh, you know, he renovated this house and he got himself into a lot of credit card debt doing it. It's a jumbo deal. It was tough. His scores dropped. I had to do a cash out refi to like a non QM lender to just get the deal done. So for those of us <laughs> that are not proficient in the mortgage industry, yeah. just know lots of paperwork, yeah. lots of red tape. Higher rates at first. Yeah. And I and he was very nervous. I said, look, I said, your, your next step may be a bankruptcy attorney. Yeah. I said, look, I, I need you to trust me. 
uh, this is what I do. I, I need you to trust me. I need you to do exactly what I tell you to do for the next six months. I need you to, to basically keep $100 on your cut. Like, this is going to make your score go from this to 800 and then we're going to refight again. You're going to hit the close cost, but I'm going to get you back into a rate. Did everything. Worked out exactly how it did. Refinanced him back into a, a normal rate. And it full circle for me is that he, you know, had a few cocktails or whatever, but pulled me aside and almost, almost very with tears. Yeah. Just, um, he said, uh, he said, you, you are welcome at my house. And he, for what you did for me, yeah. you saved my family. Like we were probably going to bankruptcy, divorce, you know, yeah. fights. And he, and he said, by far, he's like, I've done a lot of mortgages. I've owned a lot of homes. And he's like, the way you handled my situation and cared for me was by far the best, you're the best I've ever dealt with. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like a human, right? You treated him like a human. Like a human. Yep. You get involved with these people's stories. You, and, and another thing that's, you know, part of the process is, is you absorb their stresses and you try to provide solutions for those stresses. Maybe they're not looking at it every day. They don't have the financial intelligence to look at what their, their household is and how they're managing it financially. And we come in with a strategy looking at a loan that works or debt consolidation or a cash out to renovate or go from a 30 to a 15 and keep the payments the same and then you invest the difference. I mean, just providing some intelligence there really goes a long way. And I think people, you know, it's just not, a, it's not about a num being a number. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, 100%. So um, getting the, the hand signals from JC behind the camera that uh, we're running out of time, time to wrap it up. He's giving me this. Um, any parting shots for whether it's other loan officers, other parents, maybe it's, it's our, our college kids that are tuning in and, and they're, they're going to be career professionals just in a year or two themselves. Any, any last minute words of advice that you'd want to give um, John Croak, the, the dad, John Croak, the driven, successful business professional, John Croak, the loan officer at Seacoast Bank? So I, I'm a firm believer in if, if there's something that you want to achieve or you want to accomplish, that the sky's the limit. There is no, nothing that can hold you back. It, if you want to be a professional basketball player, maybe you got to work 200 times harder. And I, I gave that up, <laughs> but yes. maybe I could have been if I really, 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 really worked. But I didn't. And, and by professional, everyone thinks NBA. It didn't have to sure. be NBA. I could have been you in Europe. You could have been in Europe. You could have been in Australia. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I guess the point is, is the vice is like, you know, whatever, you, if you want to be successful and whatever you define success, success as, you know, you, you have to put in, you have to educate yourself on what that takes create a strategy, be disciplined enough to follow that strategy, and then really make that your lifestyle. You have to live it. You have to breathe the discipline and yet, and, and you know, the it, results will happen. It sounds cliche, but John promises. And I agree. It works. It does. It works. Listen, I'm Dio. He's the other JC, John Croak. John, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah. You can call me on my cell phone. It's oh, you can call me on my cell phone. <laughs> Go ahead. 321-689-4430. I have all social media. Just look Facebook, Instagram, John Croak, LinkedIn. Um, hopefully be posting some of this stuff later as well. Um, and yeah, that's the best way. Perfect. I'm Dio. He's John Croak. This is the Loan Officer Podcast, and we are out. Deuces.